Katie Heads, this is Don from Mayleaf, and today I'm going to be departing from my usual tea-centric videos to dive into a little philosophy about truth. In many ways, my drinking of tea has informed some of these ideas, but I will talk a little bit about that later. I'm speaking to you from London on Chinese New Year, so Xinyan Kuala, and welcome to the Year of the Ox. Usually at this time, we throw open the doors of our clinic and our tea house for every Everyone, everyone's invited to join us for a big celebration, and I give a speech about topics which sort of lie at the heart of、um, our human experience. In the past, I have given presentations about consciousness, happiness, value, and science. I've done. Many different speeches, but if you're interested in hearing some of them, then I'll put links in the description below. But obviously, because London is currently in lockdown, we cannot have our annual Chinese New Year party, which is a, a shame for everybody. But I thought it would be interesting to do a speech anyway, and for me to present some thoughts and ideas to you as a video and a podcast. So today I want to talk to you about truth, and this relates to a special tea release that we did last year, the Fractal Fate Finder. And you may have seen our making of video, which I released at the beginning of this year,、um, in which I sort of touched upon some of these topics. But today I want to dive in a lot deeper、um, into a subject which I think it's true to say is one of the great inquiries of my life. Truth. How can we define it, and is it possible to actually discover truth? Before we start to try to tackle these questions, let me share a little of my personal history. My name in Chinese actually means "pillar of truth," and so I think that from a very young age, I have been prompted to explore the concept of truth. My father studied physics and philosophy, and he always encouraged my inquisition into concepts of truth. My education was primarily directed towards the sciences. I had a deep fascination with the reality of things, how things work,、uh, what is actual versus fantasy, and I studied、uh, physics, biology, and technology before switching things up for my university and moving into the arts. As a child, my father became a professor in Chinese medicine, and he sort of brought home concepts、uh, which. As I was growing up, seemed abstract, contradictory, and、uh, difficult to prove. In my teens, in my twenties, and even in my thirties, my father and I used to have passionate, sometimes argumentative, discussions about the nature of truth as it applies to the philosophy and science of Chinese medicine and culture. And as a student of classical science, I found myself defending the position of absolute truth, of singular truth, of objectivity, and the requirement for unbiased proof. My father, on the other hand, studied physics, but he moved into delighting in dualism and dialectic thinking. He enjoyed contradiction, reveled in it, because for him, exploring contradiction meant that he was getting closer to truth. After university. Amongst my music-related work, I began as a dutiful eldest Chinese son, helping out with the family business. This meant that I needed to study the concept of Chinese medicine, learn the subtleties of tea, and generally immerse myself in a culturally different way of observing truth. At this time, I also became exposed to aspects of medical science which I found shocking. Isolationism,、uh, 
uh, and a, a myopic way of seeking truth, which defied logic and seemed to go against the basic tenets of science, which I had learnt. I became disillusioned with the way that modern medicine had taken the beautiful and expansive pursuit of science and penned it into a prison of dogma and profit-driven protectionism. This is a subject which I've talked about many times, and I'm not going to go into it in this discussion today, but it's enough to say that um, I saw how science could become corrupted and manipulated, and I became very uh, mistrustful of the so-called gold standard approach to contemporary medicine. My father became a passionate follower of new physics, starting with quantum theory and then moving into the wonderful worlds of, of a multiverse and, and uh, multiple dimensions, string theory, and other wild and crazy explorations into the nature of reality and consciousness. He understood that this pure, relatively open form of science paralleled the scientific and philosophical explorations of ancient cultures, um, and I would hear him uh, wax lyrical and talk passionately about the latest developments in uh, particle physics and uh, the nature of the multiverse and how it related to concepts in Chinese, Greek, and other ancient philosophies, especially around health. Let me just have a sip of tea. After uh, my father's sudden death, my study of truth began to follow a similar path to him. I took over the business and immersed myself in learning. I had to take my uh, Western trained classical science driven mind and apply it to understanding Chinese medical concepts, uh, the way of tea, and the culture of uh, Chinese business practices. However, I was determined not to simply adopt other points of view, but instead to remain authentic to my pursuit of truth. And that meant absorbing many wide and varied concepts and ideas and applying scrutiny by asking questions, deeper questions, continuously testing and seeing if I could marry abstract assertions with my experience of reality. In so doing, I too found myself fascinated with new physics and its deep questioning of the nature of truth and reality. So this is my brief history into the exploration of truth. And I tell you this just to give you a little bit of background to my approach towards the subject and to highlight the fact that in my experience, the search for truth requires challenging your perspectives, seeing all points of view and trying to piece together seemingly contradictory standpoints into a model of reality which seems authentic to your personal experience. Now, if you look up truth in a dictionary or encyclopedia, then you'll be peering into a rabbit hole of philosophical and metaphysical discussion, which could last a lifetime. But let's try to keep things simple in this discussion. There are essentially two basic definitions of truth. The first is a property of 
reality, a property of an external reality. So truth being an actual and faithful representation of reality. The second relates to the property of a thing or a person, whether or not they are real, truthful, genuine or authentic. In this video, I'm going to be mostly dealing with, well, pretty much only dealing with the first definition of truth, but it's worth remembering that second definition because in a subtle way, I think that the two definitions actually overlap. You see, for many people, truth is an external and objective fact about what something is or what it is not, separated from the observer. This version of truth removes it in time and space from whoever is asking the question. It exists even if nobody is observing or caring. This is called the correspondence theory of truth. In other words, the statement of truth corresponds faithfully with the object or the situation. Now, critics of the correspondence theory of truth say that truth actually is nothing more than a consensus, nothing more than、uh, people's sincere belief about a subject. This makes the truth subject to change and、uh, refinement rather than being an immutable and external fact. It also makes the observer a part of the truth making and highlights. The idea that it is very difficult for somebody to genuinely step outside of their belief of truth in order to assess whether or not it corresponds with reality, because every process of checking and verifying truth relies on other truths which they themselves have been created through belief and consensus. Now, we could talk endlessly about all of the differing philosophical and scientific standpoints around truth, from、uh, coherence theory and deflationism, from、uh, philosophical concepts such as the mind blowing concepts of idealism, to more sobering ideas of materialism. But one thing overlays all of these theories, and that is that the definition of truth is by no means fixed or agreed. Oftentimes, the truth of something seems to be made up of seemingly incompatible parts.、Uh, let's take an example. Let's take an example which you experience every single second of every single waking day light. What is the truth of light? Well, firstly, light is defined by its object. Discrete particles or quanta, which we call photons. These are easily measurable and represent the quantity of light. Secondly, light is defined by its movement, waves which change in frequency and wavelength. These are also measurable and represent the motion over time, which affects. The quality of the light. So you've got quantity of light and quality of light. And this is the so called particle wave duality because the truth of light is seemingly contradictory but actually can coexist as both a wave and particles. The same duality is true of particles themselves and many people think is also true of other forces such as gravity. Thirdly, And rather controversially, the truth of light could include its character, the sense of its brightness, the sense of its hue and saturation. While the measurement for the motion of light will tell you that it has a frequency of, let's say, 600 nanometers, it requires an observer 
to see that frequency as the color red and experience its redness. So this is not the quantity or the quality of light, but it's the experience of light. And I say that that third one is controversial because for many materialists, the observer should have no effect on the truth of a subject, despite what quantum mechanics suggests, but that's a whole other video. The character of light is for them an inconvenience because they are less easily measurable and because they change according to the state of the observer and the quality of an experience is almost impossible to define. How do you define a sense of redness and all of the rich feelings that that sense of redness conveys? Therefore, the experience of something is often stripped out of the discussion of truth. And I don't think that this is good truth seeking. Wouldn't you say that the sense of the color red is also part of the truth of light? Why do we remove the experience of something from its truth? Is objective possible? And even if it is possible, is it a complete representation of truth? You know, why do we remove sense from the study of things. Part of the truth of what a thing is, in my opinion, is what it does. And what it does depends upon who or what it is doing it to. It then follows that it is impossible to find singular truth to anything because truth is always relational. In this way, the, the linear concept of subject versus object collapses. Everything is continually defining everything. Now, what we're talking about here is not isolated to light. A classical scientific approach to finding truth is reductivism, understanding something by reducing it to its parts and stripping away its experiential character, that inconvenient character. But in my view, the experience of something is part of its truth. And therefore, there is always an element of subjectivity in truth. Now, this does not mean that the quantity or quality of the light is not clearly defined. It does not mean that you can just change the measurements or the numbers, but we have to understand that everyone will have a slightly different interpretation or experience of that light and of that redness, that color. And rather than denying that the experience is something that's part of its truth, we should accept and acknowledge that truth is made up of experiences, diverse experiences. We should not just tolerate, but celebrate these experiences. And in so doing, we see that the fractured parts become a fractal, which is why we uh, brought in that symbology in RT, the fractal fate finder, a singular non-dualistic truth. The problem in my view is that humans tend to think in tribes. And each tribe seems to think that they own the singular truth of any subject. For example, the photon tribe may say that light is clearly packets of energy and that all of their evidence shows that they can measure it as such. The wave tribe will argue that light is obviously a wave of energy rather than packets. The sense tribe will argue that they have the most real and visceral experience of light and they see that as the truth of light rather than the characterless numbers like frequency and uh, photon counting. So given that all of these tribes have a limited truth, 
and that the higher truth of light is the combination of seemingly incongruous parts, how do we find higher, more complete truth when we are isolated within a tribe? The answer, in my opinion, is that you can't. Because tribes create rules and rules create dogma. A singular and unquestioned way of thinking and acting determined by the tribe, which becomes a herd mentality with the risk of being excommunicated from the tribe should you not follow the same thinking. So my advice is to listen to all tribes, but belong to none. And most importantly, beware anyone or any tribe who claims singular ownership of truth. These days, it seems that truth is finding it harder to emerge because we are living in a more tribalistic era and the tribes are occupying more and more extreme positions. A lot of the reason for this, I think, is social media. So much of our lives are spent on social media and our constructed self-value is being floated on the stock exchange of social media for everyone to make judgments and valuations. And so we become desperate to gain praise or kudos through our online identity. And the only way to do this is to radically define your identity and uh, court and seduce tribes to get large numbers of people to accept you and gratify a craving for self-value. So we've created a culture desperate to promote identity. And those identities have become more and more granular, more isolated and more extreme. All that social media companies care about is views, watch time, engagement, and their survival. So all they care about is these algorithms that keep you on their platform. And the algorithm quickly guesses which tribe you may be assigned to in order to feed you the same supporting tribal views. And to keep you titillated, you will be presented with even more extreme versions of this tribal view. Tribes create hierarchy and the person with the loudest and most emotive voice wins. This leads to extreme and unbalanced headlines, clickbait and a never ending sense of threat that the other tribe will destroy you. Anyone within the tribe who challenges the tribe's narrative is excommunicated. If you don't agree with one point, then you must disagree with all of them and you will be marked as a traitor who should belong to the other tribe. In this way, there is no room for free, independent thinking where you can agree with differing aspects of seemingly opposing tribal points of view. In a apparently more global world with even more opportunity for meaningful human exchange and openness, we seem actually obsessed with defining ourselves and isolating ourselves within warring identity groups. And to be clear, I'm not suggesting that discussions around identity, for example, are not valuable uh, for society. You know, they, they move us forward, they move dialogue forward, but simply that these, these uh, concepts of identity should not be used to justify uh, aggressive isolationism, extremism, and the silencing of differing points of view, which does nothing, in my opinion, to further truth. 
classical media have taken a, an if you can't beat them, join them approach. Media has never been truly objective because it, that's impossible. The headline, the phrasing, the images that you choose, the way that you edit, all of these things are rich in subjectivity. But now, the media seems to have decided that the only way to compete for your attention against social media is by radicalizing their content, creating the most sensationalist headlines, and subtly or brazenly just simply picking sides. Eventually, if you are not continuously checking yourself, you will only see one part of the truth, and all of the other parts are easily labeled as either Marxist, left-wing, or right-wing propaganda, debunked, conspiracy, and evil. The key to finding higher truth, in my view, is by listening to all views and putting the information into context, and this is really important. I think that the majority of the headlines, articles, and comments which you see in media and social media lacks any adequate context. They're sound bites. Sometimes this is intentional, a way to titillate, grab your attention, or promote a particular opinion. Other times, this is simply learned behavior, trained into us by tribes, cultures, and societies until we find that we can only judge things from a narrow point of reference. For example, we are now all used to an endless barrage of daily COVID-19 statistics designed to catch our attention and make us click on that article. Yet despite the unparalleled importance of these statistics for global society today, they are almost never presented with anywhere near the right level of context. It used to be that to watch the news many, many moons ago, you would have to go for a weekly trip to the cinema. Then it became a daily acti activity with everyone sitting down to watch the evening news. Now, however, we have 24-7 news coverage and an always-on internet competing for our attention. The more time that editors have in between the news allows them to digest the news, to contextualize the events and present them in what one would hope would be a more level-headed way. In our contemporary world, the news is incredibly granular, simply a stream of ever-changing content with very little contextualization, summary, or clarity. With 24-7 news across a vast array of sources, we are flooded with sensationalized information, but very little understanding of the bigger picture. We can't see the forest for the trees, and I think that this is bringing us, ironically, further from truth. Seeking truth requires us to zoom in and out on the subject, look at the intricate details, and then step back and see those details in the context of the environment, and then step back again and see that environment in relation to an even larger one. And just like that fractal, eventually we will see patterns emerge. Higher truth comes from mapping all of the information from as many different sides of the argument as possible and from all levels of magnification, from the deepest detail to the most expansive overview. Now, this is, of course, impossible for individuals to do completely, but the attempt itself leads us to greater understanding. And it would certainly 
be made easier given the incredible global network of information that we have these days through allowing and promoting all points of view to be heard and a space for open debate. We should encourage entirely different opinions and skill sets to be contributing to the gathering of information rather than silencing and censoring differing opinions. Truth should always be subject to challenge. This should be celebrated and not silenced. This is one of the hallmarks of good science and a progressive society to always challenge the established view and, and be tolerant and celebrate opposing views in order to expose herd mentality and dogma and further the seeking of truth. The more that you like an idea, the more you should encourage it to be subjected to challenge. And I do not see this approach happening much in society these days. Instead, we have become global tribes fighting for dominance and control by gaining influence to, to bend ears and control the narrative and the means to expel anyone who challenges our views. This is not progressive or scientific, and it is the shame that we must overcome. In more optimistic times, we would turn to our leaders to take this expansive and level-headed approach to finding truth in order to make the right choices. The job of leaders, just like a company CEO, should be to listen to the constructive debate from a wide variety of sources and then make their best decisions based on honorable, hopefully, <laughs> intentions and goals. A good leader should be egoless. A good leader should make decisions based on how those decisions will be judged in the future, long after those leaders are no longer in power, rather than caring about short-term popularity contests or ratings. A good leader makes choices based on the endless search for a higher and more complete truth and does not relinquish their decision-making to individual tribes or industries due to coercion, cowardice, or fear. That would be like uh, a CEO making all of their decisions based on the advice from the accounting department, for example. It would be ill-advised, short-sighted, and will not get you to where you want to be. I do not see these attributes in any of our global leaders out there. Instead, I see the opposite. I see people who succumb to tribalism, short-term popularity contests, greed, and myopic, granular thinking. And these people are so easy to manipulate given the right incentives. So ultimately, seeking truth is down to the individual. It's down to you. And this is my call on this New Year's Eve. My call to each and every one of you, no matter which side of which argument you are on, no matter which tribes you currently identify with, no matter your age, gender, class, nationality, religious, scientific or political leanings, I implore you to strive to seek higher truth for the sake of a happier and healthier society. And I would recommend that in order to do this, you take on board or at least entertain some of the following advice. The first is to 
entertain the idea that truth is not simple and singular, but instead is multifaceted, incorporating sometimes incongruous parts and often by necessity involves subjectivity. Secondly, be open. Be tolerant. Where did tolerance go in society? Be tolerant to all views. Welcome and demand free debate rather than simply ignoring, silencing or caricaturing other opinions. Thirdly, be wary of tribes, echo boxes and extremism. Keep your radar on full alert to avoid herd mentality and dogmatic thinking. Fourthly, Gather information calmly, avoid sensationalism, and try to incorporate as much context, perspectives, and levels of magnification as possible. And lastly, be happy to change your mind. Changing your mind is one of the most confident and honorable things you can do. Don't worry about how this affects your perceived identity or value. Ultimately, the seeking of higher truth means being authentic to a higher self, that non-judgmental, ever-present observer, rather than trying to pleasure or placate a value-seeking ego. And how, you may ask, does this relate to tea? Well, for me, drinking tea is intertwined with finding truth in ways that I'm not quite sure I fully understand myself. But the simple act of stopping, giving yourself a pause to escape the noise, to study and indulge in the beautiful and symbolic act of preparing, brewing and tasting such a subtle, expansive, rejuvenating and mind-elevating, sometimes mind-altering drink whose flavour, aroma and experience shifts from year to year, from infusion to infusion, from session to session, from person to person, mirrors the discipline of seeking truth through the need to change perspective and acknowledge, accept and celebrate truth's multifaceted, seemingly unfathomable nature whilst always striving to learn more and to reach further. And in so doing, finding humility and wisdom. That's it, Tea Heads. I hope that you enjoyed this slight diversion from tea and excursion into some of my thoughts around truth. If you're interested in these kinds of subjects, then go check out our podcast and I'll put link to other speeches in the description. Next week, we will return to our usual Gong Fu Geekery. Until then, I wish you sincerely a very, very happy Chinese New Year. Make sure that you brew up your best stuff, celebrate and maybe ponder what truth means to you. Bye.